This is day 44 of our daily Bible reading. We will be going through Judges chapters 5 through 9. Heavenly Father, you are our God. We exalt you this morning in our hearts and in our minds. We reflect upon your strength and your goodness and your wisdom that is so high beyond us that we cannot even imagine. Lord, that we may remember this as we go through our days, that we can rely upon you, that we can appeal to your goodness, that we can petition and request in your name, and that you listen. And we thank you for that, Lord. Please bless us as we read your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, saying on that day, saying, that the leaders led in Israel, that the people volunteered. Bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O rulers. I to the Lord will sing. I will sing praise to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth quaked. The heavens also dripped, even the clouds dripped water. The mountains quaked at the presence of the Lord, this Sinai at the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and travelers went by roundabout ways. The peasantry ceased, they ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose, a mother in Israel. New gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Not a shield or a spear was seen among forty thousand in Israel. My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel, the volunteers among the people. Bless the Lord. You who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who travel on the road, sing. At the sound of those who divide flocks among the watering places, there they shall recount the righteous deeds of the Lord, the righteous deeds for his peasantry in Israel. Then the people of the Lord went down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and take away your captives, O son of Abinoam. Then survivors came down to the nobles. The people of the Lord came down to me as warriors. From Ephraim, those whose root is in Amalek came down, following you, Benjamin, with your peoples. From Machir, commanders came down, and from Zebulun, those who wield the staff of office. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As was Issachar, so was Barak. Into the valleys they rushed at his heels. Among the divisions of Reuben there were great resolves of heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the piping for the flocks? Among the divisions of Reuben there were great searchings of heart. Gilead remained across the Jordan. And why did Dan stay in ships? Asher sat at the seashore and remained by its landings. Zebulun was a people who despised their lives even to death, and Naphtali also on the high places of the field. The kings came and fought, then fought the kings of Canaan. At Teanach, near the waters of Megiddo, they took no plunder in silver. The stars fought from heaven. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon. O oh, my soul, march on with strength. Then the horse's hoofs beat from the dashing, the dashing of his valiant steeds. Curse Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Utterly curse its inhabitants because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the warriors. 
most blessed of women is Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Most blessed is she of women in the tent. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a magnificent bowl, she brought him curds. She reached out her hand for the tent peg, and her right hand for the workman's hammer. Then she struck Sisera, she smashed his head, and she shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he bowed, he fell, he lay. Between her feet he bowed, he fell. Where he bowed, there he fell dead. Out of the window she looked and lamented. The mother of Sisera threw the lattice. Why did his chariot delay in coming? Why do the hoofbeats of his chariots tarry? Her wise princesses would answer her. Indeed, she repeats her words to herself. Are they not finding? Are they not dividing the spoil? A maiden? Two maidens for every warrior? To Sisera, a spoil of dyed work. A spoiled of dyed work embroidered. Dyed work of double embroidery on the neck of the spoiler? Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord. But let those who love him be like the rising of the sun in its might. And the land was undisturbed for forty years. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens, which were in the mountains, and the caves, and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come in like locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable. And they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian, that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, It was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you your land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, 
and you shall defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you, and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Then Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, and brought them out to him under the oak and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, and lay them on the rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire sprang up from the rock, and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Now on the same night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God, on the top of this stronghold in an orderly manner, and take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down, and the Asherah which was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. They said to one another, Who did this thing? And when they had searched about and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. Then the men of this city said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die, for he has torn down the altar of Baal. And indeed, he has cut down the Asherah which was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you deliver him? Whoever will plead for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself because someone has torn down his altar. Therefore, on that day, he named him Jerubbaal, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he had torn down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east assembled themselves, and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and the Abiezrites were called together to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, and they also were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Then Gideon said to God, if you will deliver Israel through me, as you have spoken, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me, as you have spoken. And it was so. 
when he arose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece. He drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not let your anger burn against me, that I may speak once more. Please let me make a test once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, and let there be dew on all the ground. God did so that night, for it was dry only on the fleece, and dew was on all the ground. Then Jeroboam, that is, Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and camped beside the spring of Harad, and the camp of Midian was on the north side of them, by the hill of Moreh in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into your hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. Now therefore, come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I shall test them for you there. Therefore it shall be that he of whom I say to you, Though this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But every one of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, You shall separate every one who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as every one who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was three hundred men. But all the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with these three hundred men who lapped, and will give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his home. So the three hundred men took the people's provisions and their trumpets into their hands. And Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the three hundred men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But if you are afraid to go down, go with Pura, your servant, down to the camp, and you will hear what they say, and afterward your hands will be strengthened, that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Pura, his servant, down to the outposts of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as numerous as the sand on the seashore. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. And he said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell, and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. His friend replied, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. When Gideon heard this account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. He divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them, 
with torches inside the pitchers. He said to them, Look at me, and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets all around the camp, and say, For the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the pitchers that were in their hands. When the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing and cried, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran, crying out as they fled. When they blew three hundred trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against the other, even throughout the whole army. And the army fled as far as Beth Shittah toward Zerara as far as the edge of Abel-Meholah by Tabath. The men of Israel were summoned from Naphtali and Asher and all Manasseh, and they pursued Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against Midian and take the waters before them, as far as Beth-Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were summoned. And they took the waters as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. They captured the two leaders of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb. And they killed Zeb at the winepress of Zeb, while they pursued Midian. And they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon from across the Jordan. Then the men of Ephraim said to him, What is this thing you have done to us, not calling us, when you went to fight against Midian? And they contended with him vigorously. But he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God has given the leaders of Midian Oreb and Zeb into your hands. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. Then Gideon and the three hundred men who were with him came to the Jordan and crossed over, weary yet pursuing. He said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who are following me, for they are weary. And I am pursuing Zebah and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. The leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna already in your hands, that we should give bread to your army? Gideon said, All right, when the Lord has given Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will thrash your bodies with the thorns of the wilderness, and with briars. He went up from there to Penuel, and spoke similarly to them. And the men of Penuel answered him just as the men of Succoth had answered. So he spoke also to the men of Penuel, saying, When I return safely, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkor, and their armies with them, about 15,000 men, all who were left of the entire army of the sons of the east. For the fallen were 120,000 swordsmen. Gideon went up by the way of those who lived in tents on the east of Noba and Jogbaha, and attacked the camp when the camp was unsuspecting. When Ziba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them and captured the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and routed the whole army. 
Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from the battle by the ascent of Harris. And he captured a youth from Succoth and questioned him. Then the youth wrote down for him the princes of Succoth and its elders, seventy-seven men. He came to the men of Succoth and said, Behold, Ziba and Zalmunna, concerning whom you taunted me, saying, Are the hands of Ziba and Zalmunna already in your hand, that we should give bread to your men who are weary? He took the elders of the city, and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and he disciplined the men of Succoth with them. He tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. Then he said to Ziba and Zalmunna, What kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? And they said, They were like you, each one resembling the son of a king. He said, They were my brothers, the son of my mother. As the Lord lives, if only you had let them live, I would not kill you. So he said to Jether, his firstborn, Rise, kill them. But the youth did not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a youth. Then Ziba and Zalmunna said, Rise up yourself and fall on us. For as the man, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed Ziba and Zalmunna, and took the crescent ornaments which were on their camels' necks. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son, also your son's son, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Yet Gideon said to them, I would request of you that each of you give me an earring from his spoil. For they had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. They said, We will surely give them. So they spread out a garment, and each one of them threw an earring there from his spoil. The weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. Besides the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple robes which were on the kings of Midian, and besides the neckbands that were on the camel's necks. Gideon made it into an ephod, and placed it in his city, Ophrah, and all Israel played the harlot with it there, so that it became a snare to Gideon and his household. So Midian was subdued before the sons of Israel, and they did not lift up their heads any more. And the land was undisturbed for forty years in the days of Gideon. Then Jeroboam, the son of Joash, went and lived in his own house. Now Gideon had seventy sons who were his direct descendants, for he had many wives. His concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he named him Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a ripe old age, and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Then it came about, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the sons of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals, and made Baal Barith their god. Thus the sons of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, that is, Gideon, in accord with all the good that he had done to Israel. And Abimelech, the son of Jeroboam, went to Shechem to his mother's relatives, and spoke to them and to the whole clan of the household of his mother's father saying, Speak now in the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem. Which is better for you, that seventy men 
all the sons of Jeroboam rule over you, or that one man rule over you? Also, remember that I am your bone and your flesh. And his mother's relatives spoke all these words on his behalf in the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem. And they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our relative. They gave him seventy pieces of silver from the house of Baal-berith, which, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows, and they followed him. Then he went to his father's house in Ophrah and killed his brothers, the sons of Jeroboam, seventy men on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jeroboam, was left, for he hid himself. All the men of Shechem and all Beth Milo assembled together, and they went and made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar which was in Shechem. Now when they told Jotham, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted his voice and called out. Thus he said to them, Listen to me, O men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. Once the trees went forth to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Shall I leave my fatness with which God and men are honored, and go to wave over the trees? Then the trees said to the fig tree, You come reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall I leave my sweetness and my good fruit? and go to wave over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, You come, reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I leave my new wine, which cheers God and men, and go to wave over the trees? Finally, all the trees said to the bramble, You come, reign over us. The bramble said to the trees, If in truth you are anointing me as king over you, Come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, may fire come out from the bramble and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Now therefore, if you have dealt in truth and integrity in making Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jeroboam and his house, and have dealt with him as he deserved, for my father fought for you and risked his life, and delivered you from the hand of Midian. But you have risen against my father's house today, and have killed his sons, seventy men on one stone, and have made Abimelech, the son of his maidservant, king over the men of Shechem, because he is your relative. If then you have dealt in truth and integrity with Jeroboam and his house this day, rejoice in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech and consume the men of Shechem and Beth Milo. And let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo. And consume Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and fled and went to Bear and remained there because of Abimelech his brother. Now Abimelech ruled over Israel three years. Then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, so that the violence done to the seventy sons of Jeroboam might come, and their blood might be laid on Abimelech their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. The men of Shechem set men in ambush against him, on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed all who might pass by them along the road, and it was told to Abimelech. Now Gael, the son of Abed, came with his relatives and crossed over into Shechem, and the men of Shechem put their trust in him. They went out into the field and gathered the grapes of their vineyards and trod them and held a festival. And they went into the house of their god, and ate, and drank, and cursed Abimelech. 
Then Gael, the son of Abed, said, Who is Abimelech, and who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jeroboam, and is Zebul not his lieutenant? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But why should you serve him? Would therefore that this people were under my authority? Then I would remove Abimelech. And he said to Abimelech, Increase your army and come out. When Zebul, the leader of the city, heard the words of Gael, the son of Abed, his anger burned. He sent messengers to Abimelech deceitfully, saying, Behold, Gael the son of Abed and his relatives have come to Shechem, and behold, they are stirring up the city against you. Now therefore arise by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. In the morning, as soon as the sun is up, you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And behold, when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you shall do to them whatever you can. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him arose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. Now Gael, the son of Abed, went out and stood in the entrance of the city gate. And Abimelech and the people who were with him arose from the ambush. When Gael saw the people, he said to Sebul, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebul said to him, You are seeing the shadow of the mountains as if they were men. Gael spoke again and said, Behold, people are coming down from the highest part of the land, and one company comes by the way of the diviner's oak. Then Zebul said to him, where is your boasting now, with which you said, Who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Is this not the people whom you despised? Go out now and fight with them. So Gael went out before the leaders of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. Abimelech chased him, and he fled before him, and many fell wounded up to the entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech remained at Aruma, but Zebul drove out Gael and his relatives so that they could not remain in Shechem. Now it came about the next day that the people went out to the field, and it was told to Abimelech. So he took his people and divided them into three companies and lay in wait in the field. When he looked and saw the people coming out from the city, he arose against them and slew them. Then Abimelech and the company who was with him dashed forward and stood in the entrance of the city gate. The other two companies then dashed against all who were in the field and slew them. Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he captured the city and killed all the people who were in it. Then he raised the city and sowed it with salt. When all the leaders of the tower of Shechem heard of it, they entered the inner chamber of the temple of Elberith. It was told Abimelech that all the leaders of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. So Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him, and Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a branch from the trees and lifted it and laid it on his shoulder. Then he said to the people who were with him, What you have seen me do, hurry and do likewise. All the people also cut down each one his branch and followed Abimelech and put them on the inner chamber and set the inner chamber on fire over those inside, so that all the men of the tower of Shechem also died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Thebes, and he camped against Thebes and captured it. 
but there was a strong tower in the center of the city, and all the men and women with all the leaders of the city fled there and shut themselves in, and they went up on the roof of the tower. So Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it, and approached the entrance of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head, crushing his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor-bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, so that it will not be said of me, A woman slew him. So the young man pierced him through, and he died. When the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, each departed to his home. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father in killing his seventy brothers. Also God returned all the wickedness of the men of Shechem on their heads, and the curse of Jotham, the son of Jeroboam, came upon them. Today's reading was very long, but I didn't even realize how long it had been that I was reading. And when I looked at the time, I was was shocked, simply because I found today's reading such a fascinating read, as it always is in this section of Judges, that the time just flew by. I hope it felt the same way for you. I'll keep this as fairly short as I can. So, chapter 5 of the book of Judges is the song of Deborah and Barak to celebrate their victory, give God the glory, as well as describe what happened. It also showed a scene near the end here about how Sisera's mother was waiting for him to come home. She thought it was because he was delayed coming home because of all the spoil that he had gained from the people of Israel, but... That ended up not being the case because a faithful woman pierced him through with a tent peg. So that that didn't end as she had desired, of course. And then we come to Gideon and everything that happens after he dies as well. And this is a fascinating portion of scripture simply because of what God does, not only through Gideon, but also to convince Gideon to get the job done. I just am so amazed how much patience he had with Gideon. And you don't sense any frustration, any impatience, anything like that from the Lord in this. And it's so amazing to watch. So, we see that the people of Midian and the Amalekites, which, again, are the sworn enemies of God... God declared, anytime you see an Amalekite, you kill him. So they were numerous. It doesn't really give us a number of how many they are. It says that they are just so numerous, like the sand of the seashore and uh, beyond number. But then later it says that over 120,000 men fell who were in the camp of Midian. So we can give us a better idea of what number there was. So we're thinking between 135 to maybe 150,000 men that were stationed from Midian and the and their allies. And then the Lord declares that through a an unnamed prophet that he was going to rescue the people. And then we see the angel of the Lord again. We haven't seen him in a while. But the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And it shows that Gideon is beating out wheat in a wine press. If you don't know what that looks like, um, a threshing floor that you would uh, normally process wheat and stuff was in a raised area, or at least that had airflow. Because that's part of what the threshing process was, is you were beating the chaff off of the wheat to separate the wheat from the chaff. And that would cause, and then the wind would blow away the chaff. But in a wine press, it was kind of in a little bit of a vat 
you know, in a in a depression in the ground to where you could be hidden. So he's trying to hide himself out of fear of the Midianite people. And so he was not a courageous man from the start. But as you we've been seeing up until this point, none of these men have been courageous. Think of how Moses started. Moses was not a courageous man, and he became a great leader. Joshua had to be reminded multiple times to be strong and courageous, which means he was not normally strong and courageous. And neither was Gideon. And God is okay with that. Because as we discover, especially through the New Testament, God loves to work with people who are weak. Because through their weakness, he can demonstrate his strength through them. And Gideon seems to have some trouble at first of knowing who he's talking to. So it looks like this appearance of God here came in the form of a, of a man with a staff. Now, we don't, we don't know if he was an old man or what kind of a man he looked like, but he appeared to Gideon in the form of a man with a staff. And at first, Gideon didn't know who he was. Because the Lord said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And I can imagine Gideon's like, me? I'm, I'm valiant? What? And so then he's just like, oh my Lord. In verse 13, lowercase l. Meaning that he did not know he was speaking with God himself. Oh my Lord. Being a, a respectful term like sir, you know. Or as my elder, I respect you as an elder. My elder. If the Lord is with us, why has he let this happen to us? And then the Lord looked at him. And I thought that was very interesting, as the Lord looked at him. As if to say, I see you, Gideon. Do you not see who I am? Go in this, your strength, and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And then... Gideon gets it. Because in verse 15, it says, He said to him, O Lord, capital L. He's like, Oh, it's God. <laughs> You're God. Oh my goodness. God, how should I deliver Israel? I am the family least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. Usually it's the firstborn that is the leader of the home. He's like, No. I, I'm God. I like to do things in an unusual way so that it will be me doing it. Gideon, you will defeat Midian. So then he asks for signs. And this is where I love what the Lord does. He's like, look, let me show, let me ask you for a sign, Lord. I'm going to go prepare some food for you, and I'm going to lay out an offering in front of you on a rock. Can you wait for me? And God said, yeah. I'll, I'll wait right here until you return. And it says that Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. And then he put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. You, I mean, I've made bread. I love making bread. And I make meat. And for me to make unleavened bread and meat would take me at least an hour or two. And so... Imagine God just sitting there, patiently waiting for him to prepare something for him. I just think that's so beautiful, that God just waits for us to acknowledge him and to worship him. So then he brought it to him, and God had him lay it out. He put the end of his staff on it, and he, and he consumed it, because God is a consuming fire. And then he vanished. Boom, as if he was satisfied with his offering. And then Gideon is doing the same thing that all these other people have misunderstood about God. And that you see it going on for hundreds of years, hundreds of years after this, even to the time of Jesus, where if you see God, you're going to die. There's that superstition that you're going to see God 
and because he is God, and you have seen him with your eyes, you are going to die. But what happens here? He's like, oh no, Lord God, I have seen you, and now I'm going to die. But he said, peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Peace to you. Doesn't that sound familiar? This is indeed our Lord Jesus Christ talking with Gideon here. This is the same God who's of the New Testament. So if we ever get into our mind that the God of the Old Testament is not the same God of the New Testament, we're so wrong. It is indeed the same God. So then Gideon smashed the altars of the foreign gods, and he got a nickname for it, Jeroboam. And his dad was really smart in his response to them. He's like, who did this? Oh, Gideon did it. Well, let's go kill him, because he destroyed Baal's altar and Asherah's poles. But then Joash was like, why are you fighting for Baal? If he really is a god, he can take care of it himself. And that's why that he got the name Jeroboam, which means let Baal contend against him. And obviously, since there is no such thing as Baal, nothing happened to him. So then we see the story of the fleece as well. And at that point, I would think that God would be impatient. But of course, that's comparing God to a man like me, who is a very impatient man. And God has infinite patience. And so he tried some fleece. Put some fleece on the floor. If I wake up in the morning and the ground is completely dry, but yet the fleece is wet, then I know this is your doing. And God did it exactly as Gideon said. And then Gideon tested the Lord again, but God did not get impatient with him. It is true that in the law of Moses, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And Gideon did. But I think it's because God knows the heart that he did not get angry with Gideon. He wanted to make sure he was doing the right thing. And so God was patient with him and did exactly what he said. And then we see how he brought the huge group of 32,000 fighters down to 300 men. We know the story. That where they went with the torches and the clay pots and smashed them and yelled at their trumpets and they uh, routed the entire camp of the Midianite people. But what I thought was very interesting was God told him to go down to the camp and listen to what the people are saying down there in the camp. And then when he listened to them, it was a man talking about a dream about a loaf of bread that was rolling down the hill into the camp of Midian and it hit a tent and it knocked the tent down. And what did that guy get out of that dream? This has to be Gideon. Like what? Where do you get that from? I mean, did they even know who Gideon was? And apparently God had put some sort of supernatural fear into the people of this camp. And then you see that when Gideon heard that, he bowed in worship. That is the appropriate response when we see God's goodness. He worshiped. And at that point, you see it click in Gideon's mind. He didn't need any more tests. He didn't need any more proof. He was done resisting God's will. He marked at this point that he was ready to do whatever God wanted him to do. Because you don't see any more tests, you don't see any more complaining, you don't see any more, what if this, Lord, he just was doing everything as God commanded up until that point. And you never see him do it again. I found it very just humorous that that dream led to, oh no, that's the sword of Gideon. A, a loaf of barley bread rolling down a hill, but okay. But I'm sure God did something in there to get his name out there. And so they were already on edge, as you can imagine. And so then whenever he came and was 
doing the smashing of the pots and stuff that they all freaked out and it said that they were confused and not only did they escape but they turned their swords on each other and they were killing each other because they thought that somehow the enemies that were uh, of Gideon had already infiltrated the camp and so people were thinking oh you know you're you must be part of Gideon's group. And they started killing their own people. Causing huge losses. And then they started hunting down the remnants of the, the leaders and the kings of Midian. And you see that there were his own is, Israelites that he had asked for help along the way. We need, we need bread. We're trying to chase these Midianites out down. They're like, well, you don't have them right now, so why should I help you? He's like, all right, you want to be like that? God is witness. I'm going to come back and I'm going to do something about this. And I think this is also God's way of showing that you have no compassion in your heart for the things of God because you're so lost. And so he announced judgment against them. And then you see at the end of chapter 8 that they tried to make Gideon king. And he declined. And what's very interesting is that what he said was the right answer. But then you see what he did immediately after that was the wrong thing. Because he said, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And that is exactly correct. That is exactly what the right answer was. But what does he do? That's why it says in verse 24, the first word right after he makes that statement, yet. Yet, Gideon almost has to say, in contrast to what he just said, this is what he did. I'm going to ask you for some gold earrings. And he got about 42 pounds, a little over 19 kilos of gold, wrapped it into a garment, and turned it into an ephod, and apparently propped it up and was some part of some, some form of idolatry. And then we see also that he, um, even though he did obey the Lord in this, he still went into a life of idolatry and polygamy, which we have talked before. Polygamy is not acceptable. He had many wives, and yet he had 70 direct descendants. That's a lot of kids. And I think three is enough, you know? But despite all that, God was faithful. And he, while he lived those 40 years, Israel was at peace. And as soon as he died, the cycle began again. As soon as he died, then they started doing the idolatry worship again, and things started going wrong from there. And then we see in chapter 9 that there was a side kid that he had with a concubine that ended up rising up and killing all his half-brothers that were part of his household. All of them died except for the youngest one. Jotham gave a parable that was going to mark what was going to happen to Abimelech. And it happened exactly as it said it would. So there was all that drama with that. And it was a fitting end to an evil man. Abimelech was killed by a woman. He did not want to be disgraced as being killed by a woman. So that's why he had his armor bearer kill him. So what's very interesting about this is that it doesn't really count this as being the first king of Israel, but it says clearly that they made Abimelech king, and he was king over Israel for a few years. But yet, we tend to not think of him as the first king of Israel. But yet, in a way, he is. 
So, very interesting. So, this was a long portion of Scripture, no doubt. Again, I found it a wonderful portion of Scripture. And the rest of it is not nearly as long. Um, the rest of the book of Judges is not nearly as long. And tomorrow, we're going to go through several Judges pretty rapid fire until we get to the last judge of the book, which is going to be Samson. And we'll begin Samson tomorrow. And then we'll finish his story at the end of Judges later on. So thanks for sticking with me today. I hope you enjoyed this reading. My name is Ryan, and take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time. God bless you.